Hello, hello, dear expats. Welcome to This Expat Life. My name is Amanda Maxime and I will be your show host for today. And if you are living abroad or you have lived abroad before, or you're just really into the international stuff and you also like personal growth, then you've come to the right place. Because if you enjoy these topics, then I'm sure you'll enjoy hanging out with me too. In this expat life, I tell relatable stories, I share practical tips, and I talk to other expats about their journey, always with a focus on your personal growth. So welcome to today's episode. I am here in my portable podcast studio in The Hague, not in my own house because it's too noisy. I live very close to a primary school and these kids make a lot of noise even in summer. Um, I'm using uh, the living room of a friend. And if you follow me on Instagram or YouTube, you have seen these surroundings more often, probably. So I'm just here enjoying recording another episode for you guys. And today I want to talk about something which is really related to expat life, which is the phases of expat life that you will go through when you live abroad. Because life abroad, just like any life, isn't one stagnant line. You go through certain phases and some phases are super enjoyable and other phases aren't so much and they can be quite a challenge. And today I want to take you through the seven phases of expert life that I've identified, that I've personally seen with myself and also with others. And I'll give you tips for each of those phases so you can make each phase a little bit more enjoyable or easy on yourself. So let's get started. Phase number one is actually a phase that starts before you actually move abroad. It is the preparation phase. And this phase can bring up quite a few emotions. And usually they range from, oh my God, I am so busy to, oh my God, why am I leaving? I remember from my move abroad, I lived in Brazil for a couple of years, in London, Argentina, Latin America, that the weeks or sometimes even months before the actual move were just so busy and so overwhelming. It's like this transition phase, right? You have to let go of and say goodbye to your old life and you have to start a new one. But this transition phase can be super overwhelming. There is just so much to take care of. First of all, you have to close off all the things of your old life. So probably you're leaving behind a job. You might also be giving up your house. Maybe you're selling your car. Maybe you are putting your stuff in storage. A number of things that you need to let go of. It may be temporarily or it may be forever. So that's one area of your life that is already asking for a lot of attention. And then you have to get ready for the new life that you're about to enter. So probably there's already some paperwork or you need to get housing sorted out, buying tickets. Maybe you want to bring pets with you. Maybe your stuff is getting shipped in a container. It can be quite a lot. And my latest move to Brazil was actually with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and they took care of a lot of those practical things. So I was starting a new posting at the embassy. So technically it was sort of a new job, but it was still within the ministry, which made it a lot easier. However, because I was also a diplomat that required some other visa and some other processes and so on. So there was extra hassle after all. But for the other things, they all took care of it. So they had a moving company that packed up all my stuff, put it all in the container and they took care of all the paperwork as well, which was really easy. And I remember colleagues saying like, oh my God, this move is just so much hassle and I have to take care of so many things. And all I could think was like, oh my God, they are doing it for me. Like I don't have to do everything myself, which is so nice. 
But still, that transition period was super overwhelming for me. I gave notice to my rental. I left my cat behind with a friend. I had to spend a few weeks on holiday and moving in with my boyfriend at the time. So I was all over the place and nowhere at the same time while taking care of all this paperwork and other things that I had to do. So by rounding up one life and starting a new one in this transition phase, you're also in sort of like borderland where these two lives are being met. And it's just a lot of pressure on your shoulders. Not only with the practical stuff, which can cause stress really, really easily. I just remember living in my head constantly and I had so many to-dos, but also mentally and emotionally. I really felt like I was starting a new life. I was making a big move and that was also some like weight on my shoulders that I was walking around with. I was very much looking forward to my time in Brazil and also to my other time in London, etc. But I don't know, you just carry around this extra weight, like, oh, right, I'm actually leaving a life behind. And also with my job, it took up a lot of mental space because in my head, I was already the diplomat in Brazil and I couldn't wait to get started over there. But at the same time, I was still doing my posting at the ministry. And so it, your job, your old job and your new job just takes a lot of mental space. Like you're preparing for the new one already, but you still need to finish the old one. And there are more areas of your life that take up that extra mental space. You're super excited for what's going to come, but you're also becoming aware of what you need to say goodbye to. And that can cause a bit of friction in your head and also in your heart. I know of coaches and of friends that really started to question why they were going abroad because all of a sudden they just experienced a lot of fear and the fear paralyzed them. And they really start to wonder, Am I making the right choice? Isn't it just better if I stay here? Because it was just too overwhelming for them to take in everything that was going on at the same time. And this feeling of, am I making the right choice is very common. Even though I was so looking forward to going to Brazil, as I said, I couldn't wait. The last few days before my departure, I also felt this emotion of like, what am I doing? Like I should just stay here. Um, I was actually in a relationship at the time and my boyfriend was going to stay in the Netherlands. So I knew I was going to do a long distance relationship for at least two years. And so I really started to question myself, like, is this the right decision? Shouldn't I have picked something that was closer by or maybe uh, had a shorter duration so I could be with him? In the end, I'm very glad that I stick to my initial decision of going to Brazil for a couple of years. But those thoughts came to my mind and, you know, you probably recognize this wherever you live, you can at some point become so frustrated or so fed up with things and maybe you're not happy at all. But then the moment you decide to leave, things start to get better and you start to become aware of everything that you're going to leave behind. And this is the same thing that I experienced just before going to Brazil. I, you know, I enjoy being in the Netherlands. It wasn't all awful, but I really had this urge to leave. But just before going to Brazil, I really felt like, what am I doing? Because the Netherlands is so beautiful. I finally have my life together here. I have my friends and family after having lived abroad for so long. And now I'm throwing that away again. And having those thoughts in your mind and having cold feet about your decision is very, very normal. So just to recap, this transition phase, this preparation phase before you're leaving is partially a lot of stress and overwhelm 
and partially also questioning your decision and all of a sudden understanding what you're going to leave behind. And this can cause a lot of sadness also in your heart. And my tip for this phase is really to stay grounded. Do some grounding exercises because well, if you are a bit like me, you very easily probably also go to your head when there's a lot of pressure or you need to do a lot of things. I easily get stressed and then I just kind of flee to my head and everything is there. All my to-dos, all my worries, everything that I'm thinking is kind of stored in my head and it's on all the time. So what has really helped me was to do grounding exercises that helped me to sink a little bit more into my body and to feel a little bit more calm within. And with grounding exercises, you can think of meditation or maybe something doing with your body like yoga or breath work, but something that helps you to get out of your head and to be more in the here and now. And these grounding exercises are also actually great if you are dealing with a lot of emotions, which can also be quite overwhelming. So whether it's stress or just emotions, these grounding exercises, I think, are always helpful. Okay, you are on the plane or in the car, wherever you're going to, and you are arriving at your destination. This country is going to be your host country for the next months or years or maybe for an undecided time. And you get out of the plane, you get out of your car, and this is when phase two happens, and this is the honeymoon phase. And it is my favorite phase, obviously. The feeling that I always have about this phase is, I don't know if you know this meme with um, one of these guys from Lord of the Rings. Uh, sorry, I never watched the movies, but um, you know, the short little guy who is like uh, running towards somewhere and you see his arms moving, his arms are up, he's almost jumping in the air, running towards something exciting. And underneath it says, I'm going on an adventure. And this is ex exactly the feeling that I have with the honeymoon phase. I absolutely love this face. Recently on LinkedIn, I saw someone who wrote a post about how he was moving abroad and he said, you know, that first week is always the worst. You don't know anything. You don't know anyone. And I read his post and I was like, oh, wow, I so don't agree. The first week is the best week because this is when everything and anything is possible. You can do whatever you want. You can be whoever you want. Your new life abroad is this big blank canvas that you can just paint according to your liking. You can let go of all the old patterns, the old you that you were before, and you can start all new and all fresh. I absolutely love starting somewhere completely new with a blank slate where no one knows me and I get to be whoever the hell I want to be. The question is really about sustaining that feeling because it's very easy to just fall back into your own patterns and the things that you've done for so long. But this energy that you get is just exhilarating and also quite addictive, at least for me. I remember arriving in Brazil and I was in this small apartment and I was sitting on my new couch and it, I think it was like Monday evening and maybe I just had my first day at the office. I don't remember, but I just remember thinking, oh my God, Whatever I want to do this week, I can do it. I've got a whole new week in front of me and I'm not tied to meetings or appointments I made earlier or certain daily routines that I have established. Everything is new and I can do anything that I want. Maybe I'll become the person that does yoga every day or takes kickboxing classes or something like that. Maybe I'll become the super healthy version of myself, or maybe I'll be this extroverted woman, which I'm not really, I'm an ambivert, but 
maybe I can just be an extrovert here and just meet people wherever I go. And sitting there on my couch, I realized no one knows me here. And this is such a great advantage. I can put forward any part of myself that I want to put forward now because they don't know the other parts of me. And I've got a whole city to explore, a whole week to fill with new things, new people, new routines. Oh, when I think about it now again, I just feel like, oh, I want to go back to that week. I absolutely love that week. And this honeymoon phase can last for a week or a couple of weeks, up to up until a few months, I would say. And it is really about exploring your new environment, exploring the country, exploring the culture. And just like on a normal honeymoon, you only see the good parts. You're basically in love with your new country. And this phase is just wonderful. So I've got two tips for you. And one is that to enjoy this phase as much as you can. So while you are at it and you still enjoy every little part of the culture, even the things that you're going to hate later on, at that moment you still enjoy it, explore as much as you can. I know a lot of people who in the first week were just really busy with settling in and they told themselves and even me like, oh, you know, I've got uh, so many years here. I can travel later on. There's no need to hurry. But I actually advise to do it all as soon as possible because then you'll still see and meet the country with fresh new eyes, with eyes that are just in love with the country. And this is a much nicer way of exploring your new environment and the new culture that you find yourself in. So explore as much as you can. That's number one. And number two is to start building your support network already because you are going to need it at some point in your expat life. And while you are still having the energy to meet people and to enjoy everything and to say yes to everything, it's also easier to build a new social circle to build that support network. Okay, and then speaking about the time that things aren't going so well, this is phase number three, and that is the first frustration phase. And this is usually when you run into the cultural differences and you basically start to think, what am I doing here? Home is much better. The culture shock starts to hit and you basically question the way that things are being done there. I remember one time in Brazil, oh my God, I was so frustrated. I went on my weekly uh, groceries run. So I did groceries every Sunday. Uh, doing groceries in Brazil always took a lot of time. Things are very slow. Um, they don't always have the products that I need. Compared to the Netherlands, it's really incredibly slow. And there was just so much frustration always for me because I like my fast speed. I always like to buy everything on Sunday so I could do it all at once and buy as much as I could for the coming week. And so I only would need to go for a quick visit later on in the week. So I was already waiting for like 15 minutes at checkout. And then, you know, I had just paid for all the groceries that I bought. And it, they were a lot of things. I remember that. And I forgot that I was supposed to get like these little stamps to that you could collect to get something. And normally I don't really care about them so much, but I was actually saving them to, I think it was like a free pan or knives or whatever. But I told the lady, uh, oh, I forgot about my stamps. Could I get a few? And she said, no, that's not possible. I said, oh, why not? Because, you know, I just bought here all my stuff like 20 seconds ago. 
And she said, yes, but they're, they're tied to how much you purchase. So I said, look, it's here. It's like, I don't know, 500 reais or something. So can you give me 50 of those stamps? And she was like, no, I'm not allowed. And this was when my annoyance already kicked in because I am very, very results oriented and I get super frustrated when people are process oriented. And this lady was definitely process oriented. So instead of just, you know, saying, okay, it's, it doesn't matter. Um, I'll just leave. I really thought, no, I'm so frustrated. I want to deal with it now and I want to get my stamps. This was a big mistake. (laughs) So she told me she wasn't allowed. And this is another thing that I just found super annoying in Brazil. Um, There's a high hierarchy and people at the end of the hierarchy often don't have the freedom or the autonomy to decide these things, even when it's about free stamps. Like, what are we talking about? So she said, it's okay. You can just go to my other colleagues over there and you can just show your receipt and they will give you the stamps and maybe you need to sign something. I said, okay, that's fine. So I went there and then she had to go through this whole digital process and she was printing, I kid you not, four pages of, I don't know, whatever was there. I had to sign each of them. And by then I was already like, what the fuck am I doing here just for these free stamps? And then when I signed everything, uh, I told her, okay, can I get the stamps now? And she said, no, you need to go back to the store, wait in line again, and then process all of your products again, and then you will get the stamps. And by that point, you know, I was already waiting for 50 minutes in line. I spent five minutes on signing all these things. I just looked at her and I said, are you kidding me? Are you really that commercial manager that prefers to spend his precious time and the time of his employees on doing something that is so unnecessary, whereas you can also just give me the 50 stamps. I was just shocked. Well, I actually didn't say it. I, I was just shocked and I said no. And I, I remember in my head, but I didn't do this. I just threw the papers up in the air and walked away. No, I put the papers down and I said, I'm out of here. And this was when I was so frustrated by the time I was leaving the supermarket. I was so frustrated with the way that things were being done in that country that I really thought like, oh my God, take me out of here. Bring me back to the efficient, effective Netherlands where I just feel so at home. So long story short, the frustration phase is when the culture shock hits and you just think, why are they doing this here? I'm much better off back home. And my tip for this phase is really to sit it out, to not run your frustration so high like I did, and to dive a little bit more into the cultural differences as well. Maybe you've seen me team up with a fellow entrepreneur. Uh, Her name is Coco Hofs, and she's a cross-cultural consultant. Uh, We've worked together a couple of times before, and she really helps individuals and teams to get over their cultural differences because dealing with a different culture is not so much about the other culture it's really also about your own perception of that culture and that is different for everyone i bring my very dutch perception to the brazilian culture and a japanese person could be frustrated about a lot of other kind of things in brazil because he or she has the japanese perception so i wish i had known this when i was living in brazil it would have made my life a lot easier Uh, But if you are frustrated about the cultural differences and it's also really becoming a hindrance for you at work, I would really advise you to learn a little bit more about this cultural perception and what you can do about it. And one book tip that I have for you is the 
culture map by Erin Meyer. And she explains in that book how this cultural perception works and how cultures are differently mapped on various criteria. And it's super interesting. And again, I wish I had known this before I was storming out of the supermarket. But then things get a little bit better and you enter phase number four, which is surface adjustment. And this is a phase where you've dealt with those initial cultural differences. You know how to work with them, navigate them. You also know your way around town. You've got your daily routine. Um, you're sort of, you're feeling good basically in the country. Like life feels pretty good. You got over that first little hill and now things are just quiet and you know how things work over there and you know what to do to achieve whatever you want to achieve. This is a nice quiet phase to be in for quite some time. I don't really have a tip for this phase. Just again, enjoy it and continue working on your social network, on your support network, because you are going to need it in phase number five. And that is frustration 2.0 or homesickness or both. And this is the phase that starts when something bigger is happening, something more personal. Maybe you run into a big work issue at the office. Maybe you're in a fight with a colleague or there's just so much going on that you are nearing a burnout or perhaps there's a reorganization going on and your job is at stake. Or perhaps your relationship is ending or something else is going on. But it's something that is bigger and something that is more personal. It's not so much about the cultural differences. But they come at play because when you are dealing with all of those things, you are also realizing that the people around you, the locals, or maybe your other international friends, deal with it in a very different way than you would. And you really start to long for home where you don't have to explain yourself, where you don't have to explain your ways, where you don't have to actively go after what you need exactly, but where it's just there. Your needs are being met effortlessly because that's your culture and everyone knows how you deal with those things. I also went through this phase, although the cultural differences weren't playing such a big issue. But when I was in Brazil, a friend of mine very, very unexpectedly died. She was still very young and she caught a disease and she died within 48 hours. This was a huge thing to take in. Um, it was overwhelming. It was traumatic in a sense even, and it really hit me. And I remember coming home that night, I was at the hospital when she died and we spent all evening with colleagues because um, she was related to a colleague of mine. And I was coming home in my big, dark mansion where no one was. And it was around midnight. And I remember going to bed and, you know, I'd been so strong the entire day and meeting with people and it was super emotional. And when I got home, I just wanted someone to be there for me, someone to give me a hug and no one was there. And this was difficult. So my relationship, my boyfriend at the time was still in the Netherlands, so he wasn't around. So I figured I'll call him, but actually he was traveling and he was somewhere in the mountains without reach. I tried calling a few other people, but everyone was asleep in the Netherlands. It was like 4 a.m. there. And I just felt so, so alone. And this was really difficult. Eventually, thankfully, my sister lived in Australia at the time and it was morning for her. So she picked up and I remember just crying on the phone for an hour. And this is exactly a sort of thing where this phase kicks in. 
you're dealing with something bigger, something impactful, something personal, and you don't get the support that you need, either from the culture or because your own inner circle isn't around. And this can be really hard. And I remember that it really took me a few months to get over what had happened. Like I was very down, very negative. And, you know, I got over it eventually and I found my way again. But I also missed having people around me that knew me for much longer, not just my friends I had met in Brazil, who were also great, by the way, but people that had known me for longer that didn't have to put into words to give me the support that I needed. And thankfully in Brazil, I find that they are much more relaxed when it comes to death and it's much more spoken about, much more than in the Netherlands, which something that I also realized later on when both my parents died. And so the cultural differences weren't actually an issue. They were actually quite nice because people spoke very freely and very openly and lovingly about their loved ones who passed away. But I can imagine if you're dealing with something, maybe you're nearing a burnout and you are in a culture where it's not super common to speak about your mental health or where people don't open up easily. And this is when it can get really difficult to deal with your own big personal thing. And you're also facing some sort of resistance or you're not being able to meet your needs in the culture that you are living in. And this can also lead to homesickness and Maybe you don't need to experience a big personal thing. Maybe you just at some point really start to long for home uh, to the place where you are just being accepted and you are understood without having to explain yourself. But it can also be a consequence of having gone through something bigger and more personal. In either case, you can start to long for home. And this is not a very pleasant phase to be in, but it happens. I think almost all expats at some point go through such a phase. And what has really helped me, and this is also my tip for everyone going through this phase, is to actively reach out for support. Ask for support from your inner circle back home. Have calls with them. Maybe you can actually invite more people over or maybe you can book a trip back home just because you need that extra support. That is one thing that you can do. And the second thing is to call in the support from the social circle that you created in the phases that you felt happier. My tips from before. So I know with most of my coaches and the friends that I have, we're high achievers, we're self-reliant, we don't need anyone holding our hands and asking for help is actually quite difficult for us. I also needed to learn it. So this is why I'm telling you, if you're going through this phase, actively reach out for support. Tell the people what you need from them. Usually people are really happy to help others. It makes them feel good as well. So don't be too shy in asking for support or to take up that space. People will love to help you. And if they don't, you need to ask yourself if they are really your friends. Okay, but then things slowly get better again and you enter another phase, which is adjustment 2.0. So this is when you've gone through more that, that deeper downhill phase um, and now you're going up again and you feel more at home, but on a deeper level. It's not just about the daily routines and you know your way around and you know how to deal with the cultural differences. It is a stronger, deeper feeling. It's really about really feeling at home in that country. And this phase can last for years or for forever until you're tired of it. But what characterizes this phase is that you call it your home. And when I was leaving Brazil, I was definitely in that phase, like 
Brazil really, really felt like home on a deeper, almost like soul level. And I still feel it that way. Like I still feel part of me, part of my home is there. It's not only here in the Netherlands. And this is a really nice face because uh, you've got stronger roots to where you are. And I also think you're pretty lucky because you get to experience two cultures in a very nice way. And not many people can experience that. Most people never leave their home country. And those that do don't always end up in this phase because they leave earlier, either because they were only going for a couple of months or because they packed their bags in one of the phases uh, prior to this one. So my tip for this phase is also again to enjoy it, but also to really be grateful for where you are, because again, not a lot of people can say the same thing. And what is nice is that you are this bridge between two cultures because you understand both of them so well. So show your gratitude also by giving back to both cultures or by helping newcomers to settle in or to create more awareness for one of the cultures or perhaps even understanding if that's necessary. So be of service, I would say. This is my tip for that phase. And then finally, there is one other phase, and that is one that we often forget about when we live abroad, and that is the phase that you are returning home. And the reason why we forget about it is because most people don't see this as a phase of their expat life, because after all, they are returning home. So that's not expat life anymore. But this is also when the shock hits the hardest because you weren't expecting this, but going back home is actually a reverse culture shock. So whenever I speak to coaches or friends who are moving back home, I really always emphasize that they should prepare for this reverse culture shock and for this difficult last phase of expat life, because it can take up to a year even or longer to really settle back home again. And what happens is that you are going home. So you expect that you can just settle in because it's your own culture. And everyone back home will expect the same from you because they just see you returning home. But what you don't realize and what they don't realize is that actually you've grown so much during your expat life that moving back home just doesn't fit anymore. It's like you're putting on jeans that you wore for a very long time and then maybe you gained a bit of weight and all of a sudden it just feels very tight. It feels like something that you really know from before but it also doesn't fit your body anymore. And this is how my return back home also felt to me. I came home in the pandemic. My dad died three weeks after I had moved back home. I was in a new house without curtains even. No way I could call it home. I was just starting a new job at the ministry. I had a lot of things going on in a very short time. But I also really struggled with the more cultural things. So I really needed to adjust again to the Dutch way of using their calendars. Everything is scheduled in advance. Even the social meetings are scheduled in three to four weeks in advance. And, you know, coming from Brazil, that is a huge difference. It was also difficult that life wasn't outside so much anymore, but rather inside. There were different kinds of conversations. And in Brazil, I had a super nice group of friends around me who were all single women uh, in their 30s, like I was. And we were always traveling together and exploring new things. And I really loved that vibe. And when I moved back, all of my friends were 
getting into relationships, having babies, getting married. And they were much more settled than my friends and I back in Brazil. So there was a different vibe to which I also really needed to adjust again. And that was quite difficult. Something that happens as well in this phase is that you're getting a new identity. So for a couple of years, I was that girl that lived in Brazil. And I really liked that identity because it just suited me so well. And all of a sudden, I was back in the Netherlands. And for a long time, I felt the need whenever I was introducing myself and saying, oh, yeah, I live in The Hague. I felt the need to say, but I lived in Brazil for three years. It was just still so part of my identity. And all of a sudden... You know, I wasn't able to use it as my identity anymore. So also there at that level, I needed to readjust. My tip for this phase is really to treat your homecoming as if you are going abroad again. So treat it as if you're moving to a new country. Know that you can expect cultural differences, that you need to build up a whole new social circle again, etc., etc. If you can prepare yourself uh, for that before leaving, before returning back home, I think you're already putting in some of the work and the culture reverse culture shock won't hit you as hard. All right, these were the seven phases of expat life that I identified, and I hope it was useful for you. What I like about these expat phases is that when things aren't going so well, you can actually look back and think, okay, that is just an expat phase. It isn't me. It's not that I need to try harder or uh, that I'm not capable of living abroad or that I'm doing something wrong. It can also just be the phase that you are currently in. So that gives a lot more uh, empathy for yourself already, I think. And if you like my way of thinking about expat life, and if you want to explore more how you can create the best expat life abroad, then sign up for my interest list for Expat Life School. Expat Life School is my signature group program and online course that starts again on the 16th of October. And I will launch a very special offer to those on the interest list in September already. No strings attached. It's just a few emails that you get from me about this program in September. And you can decide if it's something for you and if you want to join. I've run the program a couple of times already with a really nice group of expats and everyone loved having videos about how to craft their best expat life and also having a community to share about their struggles and sharing tips as well that others could use. I've got the link to the interest list in the show notes below. So if you are interested, don't forget to sign up. And finally, I would love to hear if this episode resonated with you and maybe you already identified what phase of expert life you are in at the moment. I always say my digital door is always open, so please feel free to reach out on social media or via email. I would love to hear from you. Also, if you have thoughts about this expert life in general. And if you like this episode, I would also love it if you could leave a review. It would mean so much to me as I'm just starting with my podcast and I would love to grow our community together with you. That's it for now. I wish you a lovely rest of your day and I will see you again next week.